0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. I missed you guys last week. Some of you are like, Where were you, preacher? (laughs) I was pacing back and forth. That's exactly where I was. Worried about what was going on here, but it was in good hands. I'm so thankful for everybody and thankful for you guys to be a part of this. We have a motto around here, and we want the world to know it. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. That's who we've been since day one. Just a group of people who love Jesus and love each other, and we're trying to help each other move a little closer to Jesus. What do, you, what do we do for our, for our church? We, we help people move towards Jesus. That's, we really are convinced that if you move towards Jesus, it's really going to be okay. Whatever else happens, it's going to be okay. Well, we have something exciting coming up next Sunday evening will be a baptism service. That's going to be fantastic. Not exactly sure how many are going to be involved, maybe four or five. Um, if you want to be a part of that, I invite you to, you know, let me know. Let me know if you want to be a part of that and be baptized. And uh, that will be down at Billy and Kelly's place, which is a, not an easy place to get to. You will need something that's, uh, a small car won't make it down their driveway, but if you want to make it, if you want to go, we'll make sure you get there, okay, so there's another slide that we can put up on the screen, if you will, the next slide, it's one of those QR code things, there's going to be a meal, and if you want to like RSVP and say, hey, yeah, I'm going to be here, you can like scan this, Have you seen these, you can scan, this is old technology, I know, but uh, it doesn't get used a lot, you just kind of like you're going to take a picture of it and it'll take you to a website and you can just put on there, yeah, I'm going to go. It is not a sign up to bring stuff to the meal. As I mistakenly put on a group chat, it is just say, yep, yeah, yep, I'm going to be there. Or you can let uh, Billy and Kelly, Duncan, Diane, or myself know that you are going to come. It's, uh, we just want to make sure because there is going to be a meal. Well, I am very excited today to have uh, Nick Dowdy who is speaking. See, me and Nick go go yeah, way back. I guess it's like about a decade at this point. Nick was this skinny kid who started showing up at youth group at the church where I was before and um, just hanging out with, uh, with uh, Jacob Shockley, who's the cool Shockley, by the way. He's the cool Shockley. He works on Sunday mornings. So he doesn't get to be with us. He's the cool Shockley. I wish I was more closely related to Jacob, but I'm not very related to him, unfortunately for me. But Nick started showing up, and and the Lord worked in Nick's life. One of my great privileges was was to baptize Nick and his dad and his brother all in the same day. That was a great day. Nick has spoken to us before, and he's going to talk to us today about who's on the throne. So will you please give a warm Recreate family welcome to Nick Dowdy. Show him your support. Show him your love. I give it it over to him. Thank Thank you, you,
1: man. Thank you. I am honored.
0: <laughs> and I want to thank you because you speaking today enables me to do something I'm so rarely able to do. I get to sit next to my wife in a church service because pretty much the whole time we've been together, I've been a preacher and I've rarely got to sit next to her in church. So thank you, Nick. Give Nick a hand because the preacher gets to sit next <laughs> to his wife in a church service. That's a big deal.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Um, as Michael said, my name is Nick. I've spoken here a couple of times before, so if you don't know me, uh, you do now. Um, I am very thankful for this opportunity. I'm very thankful. I'm also nervous. Uh, I'm sure you'll see that come out of me a little bit. Um, But before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray, okay? And then we'll jump into this, all right? Uh, Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and I want to thank you just for this group of people. I want to thank you. Uh, how you've brought us together. I want to thank you that we can come together and worship you and uh, talk about you and talk about your word, talk about what you've told us. And I pray that through what you've laid on my heart to share with everyone, that um, you'll speak to us, that uh, your spirit will be here in this place, that it'll be moving in our hearts, it'll be moving and helping us to understand what we need to. I pray that anything in this message that doesn't need to stick with someone, that it will It'll fall on deaf ears, but everything that needs to stick will. I pray that um, you'll personalize this uh, message to the person that needs to hear it and that it'll be what they need. Um, And it'll just ultimately bring us closer to you because that's the whole point of this. And we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus's name. Amen. Cool. Um, So really all this is is Michael's like, hey, you want to talk on the third? I was like. I'll pray about it. And then I was like, yeah, let's do it. The Lord the Lord laid something on my heart to share with you guys. And really, it's uh, just what he's been teaching me personally, right? Um, so all I'm really doing this morning is sharing with you what he's been teaching me. Uh, and the disclaimer on that is that it is not as polished as it may be. If it wasn't what he's been teaching me, like there isn't a definite end to this, if that makes sense. This is an ongoing thing for me um but there there is things in it that I would like to share with you that hopefully will be a blessing to you as well um so like you said the title of this message is who is sitting on the throne and what i mean by that is who is sitting on the throne of your heart right cuz jesus is sitting on the throne ultimately like that's there's there's no contesting that right um but who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Who, who's making the calls in your life, really, is what it comes down to. Um, does the gospel that you've chosen to believe put the Lord on the throne in your life, or does it put your personal beliefs on the throne? And we're, we're going to get into that a little bit more, because this is something that I've struggled with, right? Um, this is something that I the Lord has revealed in my life here recently that I've had to repent from because I have taken the gospel and formed it in my own image. I made it what I thought it should be, right? And that's something as humans that we tend to do, and and not not even knowing. It's not like I took it and I was trying to preach this false gospel, right? But we'll get into it. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, So the heart of this message is to challenge us to seek the Lord, and to ask him to reveal the beliefs that we have that do not line up with his word, right? Because we all have them. I don't care how long you've been following Christ, you're going to have something in your life, rather it's something you had in order before, or you've never addressed it, something that does not line up with the word of God. And if you say that you don't have one of those areas in your life, it's pride. (laughs) That's the area in your life that you have not got lined up with God's word because nobody is going to reach perfection on this side of eternity, right? Um, so we all have beliefs and morals, and, and we're sort of taking this back just a little bit if, if you can try to follow my thought process with this because this is where the Lord's had me. Um, hopefully it won't be just as clear as mud. It'll, it, you'll act, it'll, it'll make sense. Um, we all as individuals have beliefs And morals instilled in us from our childhoods. From our parents, from our family, from the schooling that we had, from our friend groups. We all have things in our lives that established us in our young ages, in our childhood, that we've grown up with. Right? If you grew up in this area, I'm sure a lot of those instilled beliefs in you were Christian uh, influenced. Right? Because this is a very Christian area. Okay? But ultimately... Through our childhood, we have things that are instilled in us, right? Rather we like it or not, there are core beliefs that we are given from our family, our friends, our communities that we grow up in, and then that forms us as an adult. It just, it is what it is. Um, a lot of the times we, sometimes we fight back on those things, but that, that's, that's a whole nother sermon. Um, so these tend to be our core beliefs that we grow up viewing the world through, Right? These are the beliefs that when we are challenged on them, when people from outside this area, people in this area, whoever, whenever those things are challenged, we feel defensive and we almost feel like we're being attacked by that person because these are our core beliefs. This is what we have grew up viewing the world through. And whenever the way we view the world is questioned or brought into questioning, it can be difficult. And so if somebody comes to you and gives a different opinion, or feels like they're pushing back on yours, and you're like, well, that's just wrong. Like, I can't believe they would even say that. Like, you're attacking my beliefs. Like, that's one of your core values, okay? That, that's the reason I bring this up, to help us to, to identify those things in our life that we have as core values, right? Because we all have them. Um, these are the beliefs that end up determining our ideology. These are the beliefs that... Uh, Determine how we think the world should work or function, right? Um, it determines how we believe people should live, think, and treat other people. This is our ideology. And so the definition of the word ideology is defined a system of ideas and ideals, especially one which forms the basis of economic and political theory and policy. So in other words, it determines the way we think the world should function, right? Right? It, it is how we think the world should run ideally, through our perspective. Um, and so we all grow up with one of those. We all rather we take time and sit back and identify what our specific ideology is. We, everybody in the world has one. I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're from. You have a way you think the world should be ran. You have a way that you think people should treat people, the way people should talk to people, the way people should think, dress, act, live, speak. We have it. We're people. It's just a part of life. Um, So for the rest of this message, we'll use ideology and our worldview sort of interchangeably, okay? Um, So that, uh, because I'll end up going back and forth between the two words. And then so as our, our moral and uh, beliefs are instilled in us at, through our childhood, uh, at some point we make a decision about God, right? Some, at some point we make a decision about how does religion fit into my worldview? And rather you choose to incorporate it into your worldview or shun it out of your worldview, you're still making a decision about religion. You're making a decision about theology, okay? And so theology is defined as the study of the nature of God and religious beliefs, okay? Um, And this is all just sort of laying the groundwork for this message, right? I know this is, like, why are you taking me to school? Like, I don't, what does this have to do with anything? Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) So your theology is what you choose to believe about God and what you choose to learn about God, okay? Okay. Now, that can be as extensive as going to college and getting a a degree in theology because that is possible, or it could even just be, you know, reading the Bible once in your life. That is your theology. That is what you believe and what you have learned about God and religion. Rather, it's Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism. That is your theology, right? Oh, no, he said Hinduism and Buddhism in a Christian church. No, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. So at some point we make a decision about religion and God, and ultimately this decision is heaven he, heavenly heavily influenced by our already formed worldview, right? So we grow up, we have these things instilled in us, but then when we make this decision about God, it's usually heavily influenced by what we grew up in, okay? And so the reason I bring that up is. the tendency of people is to choose a religion that is easily adaptable or similar to our already formed worldview. That's human nature, to choose something that supports and confirms what we already believe. Okay, and like I said, in this area, there's a lot of Christian values, right? There's a lot of people that already believe in Christianity and a lot of things that uh, we feel are promoted from Christianity. So Christianity is very easy to choose and to fall into because it's it's normal around here, right? But that's why other people choose different things in different parts of the world. But again, that's that's not what we're really talking about. Um, but the tendency of people is to choose a religion or a belief system that already fits their core beliefs. That That is the reality of it. And so if you grew up around Carroll County, Christianity would be more easily adaptable to your worldview. Um, and ultimately, our beliefs in and about God determine our theology, okay? So for the rest of this message, uh, we're going to use theology and religious beliefs interchangeably, okay? Um, so there's there's your history lesson or whatever lesson, th- school lesson for the day. Um, and so that's the base of this, okay? We all grow up forming a worldview through the way we're raised, um, and then at some point we make a decision about God and then choose how that's going to be incorporated into our worldview, right? Um, The issue that we are trying to address, the issue that God's been addressing in me, but the issue that we're trying to address in this message is, um, is summed up like this. When our ideology determines our theology, it corrupts our view on God. I'm going to say that again, okay? When our ideology, when our worldview determines our religious beliefs, it corrupts our view of God. Does that make sense at all? Maybe a little clear as mud. If not, we're going to keep talking about it. I got you captive for another good little bit. Um, in other words, we shape God in our own image. We, we make God fit in our box and use him as a way to justify why we live the way that we do, why we speak the way that we do, why we treat others the way that we do. Um, Again, when our ideology determines our theology, it corrupts the way that we view God because we're forming him in our own image. Human nature is to seek out things that confirm and support our worldview, okay? Christians do this with God's word we choose to view things through a lens that supports our already uh, formed stances on subjects. But then we avoid the scripture that challenges our worldview. We don't give it as much attention. Um, I'm going to get into my personal example. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. So something that I've noticed just in American culture, right, and really in history but especially in American culture, Christians nowadays have a consumer mentality. Um, we pick and choose which church we want to go to, and usually that falls into the reason we end up choosing a church is because we feel comfortable in it because we feel uh, like that we agree with the teachings it affirms what we already believe we're we're, we're in line with their theology and th- there's there's a place for that, and that's good but for, for the point of this message i'm playing the devil's advocate and picking on the fact that usually, in apart with that we're choosing a church that looks like uh, looks like us, talks like us, thinks like us because that's not challenging right Human nature is to seek out people and groups and communities that think and act like us because that's easier because we want to be accepted that's also human nature, and that's that's good. We want to be accepted and loved, but it's a double-edged sword because whenever we place that acceptance and love over truly getting in and knowing God's word and truly knowing the gospel for what it is, it can be corrupted and we can form it in our own image and we stop growing. Um, so that was sort of off, off track. That, that was for free. Um. So some scripture that goes along with this, 2 Timothy 4, chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. Um, It reads, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So whenever I first read this verse and it, it, I read it first like years ago, back when I was that skinny boy at First Baptist, um, I thought that it applied to non-believers, specifically. Um, and here recently, the Lord ha- was like, "Hey, you know what? That actually think about it. This was written to a believer talking about believers, like it applies to believers, okay?" And so I think that we see that. I think that we see that in our Christian culture in America. We see Christians that flock to teachers that speak about things that they already agree about rather than allowing themselves to be challenged because it's easier to do that. It's easier to go and hear someone talk on Sundays that already is just saying what you already believe but where's the growth in that? Where is the true pursuit of Christ in that? So like I said, when I, when I had read this verse before, I always thought that it applied to non-believers. But as I was preparing, this hit me in a way that it also applies to believers. Um, honestly, you could even argue that it, it applies more to believers than it does non-believers. Um, and so I want to give a personal example to hopefully clarify a little bit more of what I mean by all of this uh, for my own life. Because like I said, the Lord, this is what the Lord's been teaching me and revealing to me in my time. And I hope that it'll clarify some a little bit. So I grew up in Carroll County. Well, I grew up in Carroll County, Fancy Gap, Grayson, Galax, all over this general area, right? Uh, Never left this general area. Always went to Carroll County High School except for one little blurb, but that's... Anyways, um, so growing up, I experienced many different traumatic things in my family uh, that shaped my worldview drastically. And this isn't to throw a pity party for me, right? But this is to just be honest and to show where I have been coming from, where the Lord's been teaching me in this, right? Um, I had many, uh, I, but I also had many positive morals and beliefs instilled in me during my childhood. It wasn't all bad. So there, I came away with a worldview right, from my childhood, um, like we all do, uh, but it's been recently that the Lord has revealed to me one of the things that I grew up with from my worldview that's corrupted my theological views, right? So my father struggled with addiction to alcohol and substances, and my mom struggled with mental health issues, and ultimately both of these things together taught me that to be loved, I had to earn it, um, it taught me that I had to live to a standard that was expected of me to be noticed and to be accepted. I don't know if you can identify with that, but it, it was a very real reality. In that time in my childhood, I never in a million years would have said, yeah, that was the truth of it. But being on this side of things and what the Lord has taught me, that that is where I was as a child. I felt that I had to earn my love from my parents because they were dealing with their own issues. And so for me to get... What I felt like was love for them, I had to live a certain way, right? Um, That may not be your story, but I I, I promise you that there is something from your childhood that has played into something like this. Um, It taught me that love was conditional, and it taught me that my worth was based in how I acted. This, as I grew up, became a part of my worldview. I was not aware that this was a part of my worldview, but it was. And to some extent, it still is today. Because I'm still growing in this, right like I said, this is very very recent in in my walk with the Lord um, but as I grew up, I made a decision about God and religion and accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. I began to study the Bible and seek God to figure more out about him. Uh, I joined church groups like Michael said I was at First Baptist and different uh, groups in the area to to learn about the Lord because I wanted to grow up in him and at some point, I moved to Richmond to learn more about the Lord with a church uh, group that I knew up there, and God taught me many good things through these years, right? I don't want to discredit what God did through those years. But I say all of that to say this. Despite all the good things that I learned through the years, my theology was still corrupted by my worldview, right? I learned all of those good things through the lens of having to earn my love and acceptance. My understanding of my relationship with the Lord because of this then hinged on my own actions. My relationship with the Lord hinged on me living a life of living up to those expectations that I felt he had for me, right? So... My understanding of my relationship <clears throat> made it hinge on my own actions. His love of me hinged on me living according to his law. And that is not true, right? And it, the the thing is, if you would have met me two years ago or three years ago, I knew what the scripture said. I knew that the scripture said that I could not earn my salvation. I knew that the scripture said that I could not change his love for me but my worldview, the way that I interacted with this, that text, with that scripture, it was lip service to say that I knew that that wasn't the case. The way that I truly understood that scripture, I didn't truly understand that scripture. Not the way that it needed to be. Um, and that's because I was still attempting, I was still living out of that worldview that said I had to earn my love that I had to earn my acceptance, that I had to earn my place at the table, right? And God, there's only so much that I can really get out and make sense in one time. Identity has been something that the Lord has taught me a lot about through the years. And I'm so thankful for that. So thankful for that. But there was, I put such an emphasis on my part I put such an emphasis on what I could do, on what I had to do to hold up my end of the bargain. Um, Because if I didn't hold up my end of the bargain, then God was going to abandon me. God wasn't going to love me the way that the scripture said that he would, because that is what I experienced with my parents, right? If I didn't live a certain way, then I inwardly focused that and said that it's my fault that they aren't Treating me the way that I think they should, right? Um, and so, the real point in me sharing that with you is to not be like, "Wow, he had it hard," or, you know, he's he's real messed up. Why is he up there talking? Um, but but to say, I thought that I was living in accordance to god's will i thought that i understood what it meant to be loved by god i thought that i understood identity i thought that i understood a lot of things that i really didn't um i was very uh arrogant and proud in my understanding and i'm very thankful that the lord humbled me in that um So really the point is to say that if you think, if you've got to a place where you're comfortable in your knowledge about the Lord, there's a good chance that you're missing something, okay? Um, Because I was missing something. I was missing the point. My worldview, I thought I had it figured out, and according to my worldview, I did. But apparently my worldview did not take into account the truth of the scriptures, not in its its entirety, right? And that is ultimately the point of this message. Is our worldview taking into account the Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God in its entirety? And are we allowing our worldview that we grew up with to be molded according to His Word? Because it's challenging. Um, The next scripture that I would like to share is uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And it reads, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so during those two years uh, where I was making my relationship with the Lord hinge on my actions, I knew that scripture. I I knew it by heart. I knew what I thought it meant, um, but I didn't. My worldview didn't it did not make room for me to truly accept the weight of that scripture, right? And so what the Lord has done uh, has brought me back to those these scriptures, has brought me back to this truth, and he is lining my heart up with the weight of those scriptures rather than me viewing them the way that I used to. Is this making any sense? A little bit? Kind of? Okay, cool. Because if it's not making sense, then it's like, you know, uh, the next scripture is Ephesians two eleven through 14. It says, um, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, called the uncircumcision by what is is by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And so I wanted to share that scripture because that is that is the truth that God has been driving into my heart. I did nothing to bring myself back into relationship with the Lord. You have done nothing to bring yourself into relationship with the Lord. You cannot earn your spot at his table. You can't. It is impossible. Jesus Christ has done that for you. And the issue that I truly struggled with through this was control, right? Whenever my relationship with God hinged on my actions, I had control over the situation. Does that make sense? Whenever, and it's this vicious cycle, right? Because I, I could never do enough to earn his love. I could never do enough, but I felt like I had control because I could keep doing more. And it's that false sense of control. And what this scripture says is it takes control completely out of our hands. We have no control over this, zero. We have no control over the fact that Jesus decided to love us enough to come and sacrifice himself to bring us back to his table. You cannot earn your spot at the table. you cannot sorry this is this is really the heart of what god's been speaking to me, and so it it means a lot to me, right it's bigger than just you. God made the decision, but God did this. We cannot earn it, we cannot work for it um So for me, my worldview tried to promote me being in control. It tried to promote me being the one that determined the outcome, like to earn God's love, but I, I don't have that power. God is the one that chose that, right? So that that's really where this comes into play in my life, is accepting the fact that I don't have as much control over life as I think I do, <laughs> which is something that we could all use a little bit more of. Um So, just to sort of bring it back, uh, we're, we're in the home stretch here. Um, the question that I have for you all is Are we reading scripture for what they are? Or do we skim through finding verses to support our own worldview? I was guilty of this, right? I had a whole belief system that made my decisions the center of it. But Jesus' words should be challenging to us no matter what point in our walk with him that we are at. Okay. Um, Matthew 10, 34 through 39 reads, Do not think, and this is Jesus talking, by the way, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. That's a very weird statement for Jesus to say, right? Because that seems a little contradictory. But Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I felt led to share that scripture simply to reinforce the fact that Jesus didn't come and save you to make you comfortable, He didn't come to save you to give you a cakewalk of a life, right? He came to challenge your worldview. He came to challenge your most core beliefs because not every core belief you have, I don't care if you grew up in Carroll County or not, do not line up with the Word of God. They don't. And I'm not going to sit here and try to nitpick your core beliefs because that's not my place. That's between you and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will reveal those things in your life that are not in line with the Word of God. But I am here. God has told me to be here to tell you that not every core belief you have not everything in your worldview is going to line up with the word of God. And if you think that it does, you are wrong. And I will stand on that till the day I die. You are wrong if you think that everything you believe lines up with the word of God. I don't care how long you have been following Christ. I don't care how in love and with him you are. Not everything in your worldview is going to line up with the Bible. Okay? Period. And so, this applies to every single one of us in this room. It applies to anyone listening on this podcast. And that is the heart of this message. Jesus' words are challenging. Jesus' Jesus's words should make us uncomfortable, right? They should. We are called to security in our standing with the Lord, but we are never called to comfort. Okay? I'm going to say that again. We are called to security. In the standing with our Lord, but we are never called to comfort. And what I mean by that is, like I said, the thing that the Lord's been speaking to me is that I could not earn my place at the table. You cannot earn your place at the table. So there is security in that, even if you don't have control, because it is Jesus' decision and action that has brought you to the table. That cannot be changed, that cannot be taken away. You have no control over that, which is a good thing. So there is security in your standing with the Lord if you have been brought in and and reconciled and redeemed to Jesus, right? It's beyond your control. So there's security in your standing with the Lord, but you are not called to comfort. If you find yourself in a place in your walk with the Lord being comfortable, I'd be asking the Lord why. Um... Because I feel the danger, I'm only, I'm 25 years old, I I. I do not know uh, everything, I've grown up a little bit, uh, praise the Lord, um, but the thing that I've seen up to this point in my life, the danger with this is as we get older, we we tend to sink in deeper into what we believe, which is a good and bad thing, because... If it, it's good if it lines up with the Word of God, but it's bad if it doesn't, right? Because the further you sink into your beliefs, the harder it is for them to change. And so it's a double-edged sword in that sense because we want to sink deeper and we don't want to be movable on things that line up with the Word of God, but we need to make sure that they are lining up with the Word of God before we sink deeper and deeper into them. So again... We are called to security in our standing with the Lord, but we are never called to comfort. Comfort is the enemy of growth. When we become comfortable, we stop growing. And so I have to ask, has your theology brought you to a place where Jesus's words are not challenging you on a day-to-day basis anymore? Because if they aren't, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a place of stagnancy and you're not going to grow. Have you became comfortable with the Jesus that you have chosen? The Jesus that supports what you already believe. Because I guarantee you, in the Gospels, in the Word of God, Jesus has said something that you do not agree with. And you have to come to terms with that. I have to come to terms with that. There's no ifs, ands, and buts around it. If Jesus is your Lord, and He says something that you do not agree with, It's up to us. It's up to us to work with the Lord to come to terms with the things that he says that we don't agree with. They're not going away. And at one point, whenever everything's said and done and we are on the other side of eternity, we're going to be held accountable for those things. We're going. Jesus is going to look at us. The, the Father is going to look at us and say, what happened? You molded me and your own image here in this area of your life? Are we going to seek him out in those areas of our life? We're going to be held accountable, right? So just to sum it up, (laughs) um, have we preached and believed the whole gospel or are we cherry picking what we want for ourselves? No one should ever be able to claim to have arrived when it comes to understanding Jesus's teachings. Do we give heed to the challenging words of Jesus or just the words that already support our predisposition due to our upbringing? My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will reveal the areas that our worldview has shaped our beliefs rather than God's Word. I encourage us and you all and myself to let uh, the following Scripture to be our prayer in this matter, and it's Psalms 139, 23 through 24, because the fact of the matter is, our core beliefs are that. They are core beliefs. And there is a difference, and I want, I want to preface this, because um, I hope that you all felt challenged by this. I hope that you will begin to pray and ask the Lord to reveal whatever worldviews that you have that don't line up with his word are. But I also don't want to push you all into introspection, because there is a difference Please, if you don't hear anything else from today, hear this. There is a difference between introspection and the Holy Spirit revealing things to you. You can sit down and pick yourself apart until the day is done, but that does not mean that you were right and that there is is not Holy Spirit power in introspection. That is something that I struggle with. I like to pick myself apart and try to figure out why I did what I did and try to figure out what's right and what's wrong, but it's up to the Holy Spirit. So I pray and I, I encourage you all as you seek the Lord on these things to allow the Holy Spirit to be the one to reveal things to you, not yourself. Um, Psalm 139-23-24 uh, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. And ultimately, that is the heart of this message. Again, this isn't some polished, like, here's the problem, here's the answer. Because <laughs> um, ultimately, I don't think it always works like that. But the point of this message is to challenge you, because the Lord's been challenging me in the fact that I don't have it all figured out. Um, I'm 25, and I don't have it all figured out. Is that weird? I, I should have it figured out, right? No. Um but I don't know, guys. The, the whole point of this is just to challenge you all to seek the Lord. It's it's to challenge you all to seek the Lord in the areas that are uncomfortable because it's the areas that make you uncomfortable that are, you're going to grow. Um, if we only stay where we've been, if we if we only continue to read the same way, we don't try to take in different perspectives nothing's going to change and we're, we're going to get stagnant and we're not going to grow and that is a dangerous place to be right lukewarmness comes out of that and the lord is not a fan of lukewarmness let me tell you he will spit you out his mouth <laughs> um i'm going to go ahead and close this in prayer and that's all i have so uh if you want to join me real quick lord we come to you in the name of jesus again and I pray just once more that as we begin to dismiss, that as we begin to go our separate ways, that anything that was said today that doesn't need to stick will fall fall off. I pray that anything that does need to stick, words that you need to replay in someone's mind, that, that they will. And um, We ultimately pray, Lord, that you'll seek our hearts or search our hearts and show us, reveal in us what worldviews, what core beliefs that we have that are not honoring to you, that are not in accordance with your word. Um, I pray that you'll help us to dig deep. I pray that you'll help us to look more like you. I pray that you'll help us to be uncomfortable. I pray that you'll help us to be comfortable being uncomfortable Um, and that we won't run from that because I, and with everything in me, I believe that our growth lies in in the uncomfortable areas. Uh, And I pray that you'll lead us into those. I pray that you will reveal in us on your timing the things that we are not living in accordance with your will on. I pray against introspection. I pray that uh, we will not go home and pick ourselves apart um, today or in the coming days. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you're sovereign. We thank you that you love us and you're faithful and that our relationship doesn't hinge on you, or hinge on us, that it hinges on you. Thank you so much for who you are, the way you love us, and we pray that your will is
0: going to be done in our lives and in this church, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nick, so much for sharing your journey with us, and it is, it is very much a journey, and as, uh, as uncomfortable as it makes me, I think I'm going to pray the Lord will make me uncomfortable. Holy discomfort is the key to growth. Thank you again, Nick. God bless you guys. We're going to wrap it up for today. Hope you have a wonderful one. God bless you.